If you have a Bible, open it up to 1 Thessalonians 2, 14 to 18. Aaron, you only need to remember your Bible now. One Wednesday per month. We were in a rush to get out the door. Did you say 1 Thessalonians? Thess- Thessalonians, yes. 1 Thessalonians 2, 14 to 18. Who would like to read that nice and loud and clear? I would. All right, let's hear it. And then, dear brothers and sisters, you suffered persecution from your own countrymen. In this way, you imitated the believers in God's churches in Judea, who, because of their belief in Christ Jesus, suffered from their own people, the Jews. For some of the Jews killed the prophets, and some even killed the Lord Jesus. Now they have persecuted us too. They failed to please God and work against all humanity as they tried to keep us from preaching the good news of salvation to the Gentiles. By doing this, they continue to pile up their sins, but the anger of, of God has caught up with them at last. Dear brothers and sisters, after we were separated from you for a little while, though our hearts never left you, we tried very hard to come back because of our, because of our intense longing to see you again. We wanted very much to come, you and I, Paul, tried again and again, but Satan prevented us. All right, so I want to focus on those last two verses, particularly that very last one, in which Paul says that we were torn away from you, brothers. He's writing to the Christians in the city of Thessalonica for a short time, and in person we endeavored the more eagerly and with great desire to see you face to face because we wanted to come to you. I, Paul, again and again, but Satan hindered us. What do you suppose Paul means by that? I wanted to do this, but Satan hindered us. Snowstorm. Okay, could have been an act of God of some kind. Do you think that Satan controls the weather? Nope. nope. Okay, me neither. <laughs> Life happened. Life happened? Yes. What does that mean? That means his wife is pregnant, couldn't leave her. Well, she just had a baby, couldn't leave her. Paul didn't have a wife. Nice try, Mimi reads the Bible. Oh, oh! That's that's a little much. Um, all right, so if if it were just basic circumstances, is that something we could attribute to Satan? Like if you're late for work because you forgot to get gas last night, or or you know, there's something. Can you say, well, the enemy kept me from getting here? I've heard that kind of thing. This is a weird phrase, and it's hard quite to get our minds around what it means. It could be that, um, I mean, Satan works through people. So was it people that were hindering? The context suggests that they're talking about people hindering the spread of the gospel. I mean, he doesn't... So yeah, that's why we threw a little context in He definitely influences people, or in some cases controls people, you see in scripture. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay, so maybe there were... people who were hindering them. Yeah. They were ascribing that to Satan's activity. Oftentimes it seems like people um, trying to persecute the church will sort of determine where Paul goes and doesn't go when he leaves. I mean, we've been in the book of Acts only for... I mean, Paul's only been converted now for like two chapters, and we've already seen him twice leave somewhere because persecution breaks out. Maybe that's what we're talking about. How did he know it was Satan? That's the question. 
I mean, well, would, would anything that was against the spread of the gospel be satanic? Sure, I go with her. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So the flat tire or the snowstorm is Satan working against us? If you're in the church. Hmm. The snowstorm. God. Right. Well, the, if God's sovereign, so is the flat tire in a sense. Well, and then so is Satan working through other people in a sense. Right. Yeah. So it gets it gets really kind of brain twisty here. Uh, you do hear I, there was a, a Christian comedian that we used to really like. Uh, before he became weirdly political, uh, and now I think he sells freeze-dried food on Fox or something. But uh, he, he used to have this bit about how there were people, uh, what was it, Roman Catholics see Mary everywhere. And when he grew up, everybody was always railing against Roman Catholics because they see Mary everywhere. He was like, yeah, okay, they do, but evangelicals see Satan everywhere. Right? Like, Satan's in the music if you play it backwards. You know, Satan's in the Harry Potter movies. Satan's just everywhere all the time. I, yeah, Satan's in the monster energy drinks. If you've seen that video on YouTube, that's good for a howl. The thing is... Isn't that what you drink? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I just put a couple of them in there. <laughs> Satan's not in it. The, 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 uh, the life of ministry is in there. But uh, if, if we see Satan everywhere, we're going to wind up not taking responsibility for things that are probably our fault. Like people... I know, I, I didn't show up for work on time nine days in a row, and then I got fired. Oh, Satan's working against me. No, the idea was if Satan did anything, he just woke you up in the morning late. And then you took it from there, right? Like, I mean, you, you, you're messing up your life. You can't attribute it to Satan. But obviously, Satan does hinder us, or this wouldn't be in the scriptures. And it's easy to say, well, this is the Apostle Paul. He wrote a bunch of the New Testament. Half the churches in the world are named after the guy. Of course, Satan's after him, but... When we read Satan is doing something, that's kind of a shorthand for the enemy, demonic forces, the powers and principalities in general that we read about in scriptures, working against what God is trying to do. And in this case, Paul looks back and says, yeah, Satan hindered us. Now that is a rather old-timey word. I never have heard anybody, like when you pop by someone's cubicle and you're like hey man how was your weekend and they're like i gotta get this done don't hinder me that's just not something we say i looked it up in the dictionary and to hinder means to create difficulties for someone or something resulting in delay or obstruction create difficulties for resulting in delay or obstruction so we think about when jesus says to the apostles right the the mothers are all trying to bring their children to be blessed by jesus and the apostles are like, no, you don't have any tickets. Jesus is that time for the little people. And what does Jesus say? Yeah, let the little children, or suffer the little children, if you're in the King James, uh, to come unto me, and do not hinder them, for the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. Do not hinder them. Now, they were trying to create difficulties for all these moms in order to create an obstruction, but all they managed to do was delay, right? Because Jesus came in and said, no, 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 get out of the way. Bring the little kids to me. I would rather be with them than with you sometimes, guys. Uh, and, and so when we look at the scriptures and Satan hindering, he's not able to permanently create obstructions for what, what he's trying to uh, stop or, or uh, when he's trying to create difficulties. He's not able to make a permanent roadblock. He's only able to do kind of what the disciples did there, delay 
or what Satan does here, delay. Or if we look at Daniel 10, we don't have time to get way into it. In fact, I won't even read it to you. It's a long one. But uh, Daniel prays, right? And there's some time he's praying and praying and praying. And then the angel comes and says, sorry, I'm late. What happened, guys? Satan hindered me. Yeah, <laughs> Satan hindered me, but then I got back up from Michael. We took care of it, and, and now I'm here. I'm here to answer your prayer. I'm here late. I was delayed. I was hindered, but I wasn't stopped. God's plan has been delayed. There's been, there's been a but, but he can't come in and completely derail it. We see him trying to throughout the entire Old Testament and then throughout all the Gospels and then throughout the book of Acts. And there are hints and references to it like here throughout all of the epistles. And certainly you read about it in the book of Revelation. It's all just an attempt to slow you down, to stop, but not permanently because that's impossible. Satan's read the end of the book. And so I think about uh, one of my favorite TV shows, Scrubs. Anybody else into Scrubs? It's getting kind of dated now, but um, it, it, it's just, I love the show. It's about a group of doctors who come up through being residents and then attending doctors, and then they all kind of uh, grow up as, as, as uh, doctors and nurses and stuff. And there's a scene where uh, they've resuscitated a guy a couple times, and then he dies. And one of the residents is just freaking out and, and, and kind of, um, really despondent because he's like, we could have done something. I messed up. And his mentor, who's like, when they get spiritual on the show, he's the most atheistic one of the bunch, Dr. Cox, also the funniest one. He takes him aside and he basically says, everything we do here, everything is just one big stall. Eventually, death wins in every case. Now, he had the very cynical point of view of, that's it. Death wins and that's the end, right? The big dirt nap for everybody. We don't share in that, but we do look at what Satan is doing in the same way. It's all a big stall. It's a delay tactic. Run out the clock, right? Sometimes you see that in sports. Try and just keep anything from happening. And he knows, I mean, flip over to Revelation 20. Let's go way to the end. The devil knows the end of the story. Probably knows it better than anybody in this room. First six verses says this, Then I saw an angel coming down from heaven, holding in his hand the key to the bottomless pit and a great chain. And he seized the dragon, that ancient serpent, who is the devil and Satan, and bound him for a thousand years, and threw him into the pit, and shut it, and sealed it over him, so that he might not deceive the nations any longer until the thousand years were ended. After that, he must be released for a little while. Now, Satan knows that this is his reality. He's bound with a great chain so that he can no longer deceive the nations. He can't put up the roadblocks that keep the gospel out. We see the gospel going forth into every nation, every tribe and tongue, everywhere, bringing life with it. He also knows that if you keep reading, this is his future. Verse 7, And when the thousand years are ended, Satan will be released from his prison and will come to deceive the nations that are the four corners of the earth, Gog and Magog to gather them for battle. Their number is like the sand of the sea. And they marched up over the broad plain of the earth and surrounded the camp of the saints and the beloved city. But fire came down from heaven and consumed them. And the devil who had deceived them was thrown into the lake of fire and sulfur where the beast and the false prophet were. And they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. So he knows the end is going to be this. He loses and this is pretty decisive. I mean, this is losing badly. Um, 
I've lost badly. I've never been thrown into a lake of fire forever. And yet, all he wants to do in the meantime is sit there and throw wrenches into the works. As many wrenches as he can. To hinder, to delay, to stall, to hold us back just for another minute, just for another day, just for another week, so that we won't pick up the banner of the cross and carry it forward. Not today. Maybe we'll do it tomorrow. Okay, he's fine with that. But not today. Today I will delay. Spurgeon said this, If we toil in the field, Satan seeks to break the plowshare. If we build the wall, he labors to cast down the stones. If we would serve God in suffering or in conflict, everywhere Satan hinders us. And I'm sure you've experienced this. When you're first saved, Satan comes in, he tries to to steal your passion, tries to stop you dead in your tracks and drag you back into old sins and habits. There's a whole book written about um, Satan's methods in this. Uh, C.S. Lewis wrote it called The Screwtape Letters. Brilliant, brilliant stuff uh, about trying to keep a, a recent convert from getting any traction in the faith. If you are a longtime Christian, he will try and uh, make you complacent. Well, that's good enough, I guess. I got as far as I'm going to get. The sins that I still have, they're not very visible. They're not that big of a deal. Kind of keep it all under wraps or make you despondent. Well, after 26 years, I haven't beat that sin. I'm sure I'm not going to in year 27, so I guess I can give up hope. Hindering, delay, wrenches in the works. If there's revival breaking out, he will try to slow things down there as well. Try and drag things to a halt. I mean, look, look even in the Old Testament, Ezra and Nehemiah, right? They go back to Jerusalem after it's been flattened. And they start rebuilding the temple. Nehemiah starts rebuilding the wall. And you don't get far into that story before you've got Senballat and Tobiah. They're coming in. They're, they're not only shouting insults and trying to break their will to work on this thing, but they actually are throwing rocks. And then they're doing their little raids and coming in with their swords. What do they wind up doing in Nehemiah? Sword in one hand, tool in the other. Yeah, sword and the trowel. They're building, but they're ready for the enemy to come. Because they're, they're on guard. They know that the enemy is going to try to hinder them. And hinder he will. He will try to hinder us as well. And I find this stuff so frustrating. Like in a book or a movie. When stuff's going well. And then someone comes in and messes it up. I get like anxious. Um, who's seen the, the classic bit of cinema called uh, Tommy Boy? Anybody? Chris Farley? So long ago. Oh man. This, it's a story. A good Midwest kind of Rust Belt story about uh, Callahan Automotive. They make brick pads. And big Tom Callahan dies at the beginning. It's the guy from Cocoon whose name I can't remember. Brian whatever. Uh, And then his kind of dopey son has to try and save the company against all odds. And so he and his friend go on a whole big sales trip, road trip across the country. And they have this many brick pads they have to sell. And they finally get there. And they're going to save the company from going under and all these people from losing their jobs in Sandusky, Ohio, where Cedar Point is. Um, and just when they get to the point where they're celebrating, they cut back to the factory where Rob Lowe has uh, an interest in buying the company. He doesn't want them to pull it through, so he sneaks into the office and he brings up the computer and he changes all the overnight shipping to like 10-day shipping, and he changes amounts, and he changes orders, and he messes things all up on purpose. And seriously, it's just a stupid movie, and when I watch it, I get like and like anxious, real anxiety. I hate this kind of thing. But this is 
the reality of a Christian. Now, at the end of Tommy Boy, I don't want to spoil it for anybody, but you've had since like 97 to watch it. Uh, they win, right? Oh, you know that's going to happen. Yeah. They save the company. Because it's a comedy. In the initial sense of those two words, comedy and tragedy, a comedy is when it starts out looking like all is lost. Right? The dad dies. The company's in bad shape. There are people working against them. And then by the end, things are happy. And there's, a, and there's a good turnout. The tragedy is it looks like everything's going well at the beginning. And then by the end, everything falls apart. Well, the gospel, in that sense then, is a comedy. Not a tragedy. It starts out looking like all is lost. We've screwed up. We have sinned. We've made a, a fixed chasm between us and our creator that cannot be crossed. Not by us anyway. And by the end... Why, it's a happy ending. We just were reading some of it here. Not for Satan, but for us, certainly. The divine comedy, correct? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's where Dante is coming from. That's what the comedy means in, in that sense. Yeah, and so I just want to encourage you then with four points to take with you. Put in your back pocket and bring with you. First of all, if you serve God, the enemy will try to hinder you. That's just something to be aware of. And so we carry the sword and the trowel. We, we do try to build something for the kingdom, build something that will last for eternity, but you have to be on guard and recognize the more important the work you're doing, even if it doesn't seem important from a worldly point of view, if it's going to touch the lives of people, if it's going to have an impact on the culture, or it's going to, it's going to take a situation that's hopeless and inject some hope into it, the enemy is coming after you. That's going to happen. Secondly, when it happens, don't be alarmed and don't be discouraged. In fact, even though, what's the Greek word? Um, it sucks sometimes. <laughs> you know what? It means that you're doing something that got his attention, right? I mean, if you, I, I have found that some of the most difficult times in my life have been when I'm doing some of the most meaningful things for the kingdom, the most lasting things. And it should almost encourage us when we find that we face in fact this may be what, what James has in mind when he says consider it pure joy when you face trials of many kinds thirdly remember Satan's whole game is all one big stall that's it that's the, that's the whole strategy he knows he loses in the end and he just wants to be a jerk in the meantime it's one big stall. If, if we had a football game going, right, and my team was down by 13 points, and we were well into the fourth quarter, and the other team had possession of the ball, my team might tend to think, man, we probably aren't going to pull this out. It's not looking good. Well, we'll try our darndest, I guess, but this one's probably lost, right? It would affect your attitude and the way that you played the game. But what if somehow... Me from the future could come here with Gray's Sports Almanac and show me that the score is going to be us up by one. We are going to win. And show me in a way that really convinced me. Wouldn't that inform the way, the attitude with which I attacked the game, the energy with which I put myself into it? Well, that's our situation. Yes, we are delayed. We are hindered. But it's just delaying the inevitable. And so we push forward knowing that God is in control. And finally, don't buy into the lie that the enemy can truly thwart God's plan. 
Again, it's just one big stall. We know what the score will be at the end of the game. And if you've been delayed, if you've been stalled in your sanctification, if you've been stalled in your reading of Scripture for a month or ten years or whatever, if you've been stalled in your prayer life and you find that it's foreign to even think about closing your eyes and and speaking to your Creator before you lay your head down to go to sleep, if you've been stalled, recognize that now is a perfect time being reminded that we know how the game ends to push forward and regain your momentum. Because you know that you are not going to be absolutely stopped. That when we read this definition of hinder, you're not going to be fully obstructed, but rather just delayed. And if we look even at verse 19 and 20, let me get back to 1 Thessalonians. Pro tip, all the T New Testament books are in alphabetical order. 1 and 2 Thessalonians are first. So it says... uh, I, Paul, again and again, desired to come to you, but Satan hindered us. What's the very next verse? For what is our hope or joy or crown of boasting before our Lord at his coming? Is it not you? For you are our glory and joy. Paul recognizes in writing this that even worst case scenario, if he never in the flesh has this reunion that he's longed for and longed for and longed for, it's just a delay of the inevitable reunion that he will have when he boasts about them before God at the second coming. But what he doesn't know is what we know, which is that in the second and third missionary journey, Paul goes back to Thessalonica. He spends time with these people and encourages them. He answers their questions about the end times. He writes some other letters. He he has a continued, it was just a delay. It looked like it was lost. It looked like maybe when he said hindered, he meant whatever, there was the NIV or whatever, he, he was thinking prevented. Maybe he was, but if he was, he was wrong because it was just a delay. It was a stall tactic. And the enemy is only capable of that. I, I mean, don't think for a minute he can stop us. Remember that far side cartoon where the two spiders have made a web at the bottom of the slide? And one of them says to the other, if this works, we're going to eat like kings. That's <laughs> yeah, Satan's plan. It's not going to work. Are you kidding me? This is a stall tactic. And let that inform your attitude this week as you look at what the enemy might be doing in your life. Instead, look at what God is doing and recognize that if you push forward, he is with you and he is able to steamroll, push through anything that, that no weapon formed against you will prosper. But God is with you and will never leave you or forsake you. Let's go to him in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this text that St. Paul, as he looked at what he wanted to do and what was happening, he saw the enemy's hand uh, messing with his plans, throwing wrenches in the works, but Lord, he did not despair. Instead, he saw it as the annoyance that it was. And Lord, may we as well uh, not be overwhelmed, but rather recognize that you are in control and you are mighty and you are, you are able to, even when we have stalled out, to help pick us up and, and to set us down and brush us off and put the sword and the trowel back in our hands so that we can move forward and regain our momentum. We thank you, Lord, uh, for all those gathered here today. We pray that uh, we would have productive days uh, tomorrow and into the uh, weekend, and that, Lord, as we gather together to worship you, we would remember that you are a God that is mighty to save and that you are, in fact, 
far more powerful than the enemy, and there is nothing he can do that will stop us, even when he slows us down. In your holy name we pray. Amen.